Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com. Before we start this week's episode, a quick request from me. We want to hear from you. What topics would you like us to cover on our upcoming shows? Money Clinic simply couldn't happen without the community of listeners who email in and let us know their burning financial questions. So don't be shy. Drop me a note at money at ft.com or DM me on social media. I'm at Claire B. We're especially keen to hear from people who are looking to clean up their financial plans in the new year. Look forward to hearing from you. Now, on with this week's show. The Bank of England is poised to raise interest rates for the eighth time in a row this week, with markets expecting the base rate to rise to 3%, the highest it's been for over 15 years. And there are expectations it could peak at 5% in the middle of next year. Now, that might be unwelcome news for anyone with a mortgage, but there's better news for those of us with cash savings. If you could afford to put away a bit of money every month, you could be getting 5% or more on that money. But how does that stack up against inflation? In today's show, we're going to be looking at the role good old-fashioned cash should play in your financial plan now that life is coming back into the savings market. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly show about personal finance and investing from the Financial Times. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. For today's show, I'm joined by two fantastic experts, starting with Iona. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, I'm Iona Bain. I'm a writer, speaker, broadcaster and author who specialises in personal finance, but particularly from a young person's perspective. Well, thanks for joining us today. And then over the line, we have the wonderful Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah Coles. I'm a senior personal finance analyst at Hargreaves Lansdowne. Well, you're two people who I speak a lot to about the ups and downs of the financial world. We'll be hearing from one of our listeners shortly. But firstly, let's talk about what's been going on with interest rates. So this Thursday, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee will meet. What will happen then and what could it mean for our finances? So the markets are expecting interest rates to rise, probably to around 3%. But at the same time, so is inflation. Now, Sarah, what's the link between interest rates and inflation? Well, it, one of the, the Bank of England's jobs is to try and keep a lid on inflation. And one of the ways they do this is through interest rates. So the idea is if you put up interest rates, it's much harder for people to borrow and it makes more sense for them to save. So you're kind of sucking demand out of the economy. So there are fewer people trying to buy things, which they hope will naturally bring down prices. And obviously at the moment, it's a bit tricky because the supply side is the side that has a huge amount of problems. So we're looking at things like energy and oil, um, which are pushing prices up. So there's only a limited amount that actually the Bank of England can achieve but it is sort of pulling all the leaves that it can. So it is it is likely to be increasing interest rates when, when they when they start making their announcements again. Mm. And I mean, Iona, inflation at the moment just over 10%. There were some figures out from the ONS today showing the um, price rises on supermarket value ranges is running at more like 17% mm. a year. I mean, it's just so hard to avoid the cost of living all around us. Everything's getting more expensive. Yes, although... 
you need to do your own inflation audit, right? You need to understand what prices are going up in your own life. And prices aren't necessarily rising right across the board. Um, And we can see changes month on month if we actually look at the items that the ONS measures. So yes, we've been seeing the price of things like, you know, pasta and milk have gone up a lot. Mm. But at the same time, the price of things like meat and orange juice and rice have come down. Um, So maybe... Dinner tonight ought to be chili con carne washed down with some orange juice. But in all seriousness, um, I think that's why it's really important to figure out where costs are rising and therefore how you can cut back meaningfully. Well, we're going to hear now from a Money Clinic listener who got in touch with us about this gap between the interest rates on savings and the rate of inflation. Here he is. Hi, my name is Francesco. I'm a doctor. I live in London. I work for the NHS and I'm married with two children. And I'm 38. Now, Francesco started thinking about savings when he was listening to a podcast episode about how mortgage rates and inflation rates are costing us all a lot more money. But at the same time, he's thinking about... How the corresponding increase in savings rates hasn't really materialised. And therefore, the next thought was, well, how do we sort of protect ourselves against that? And Or is there anything we can do with our savings to make things... Uh, a little bit more bearable over the coming months. Francesco told me he's been putting money semi-regularly into different pots over the years. Some money he's invested into a stocks and shares ISA, some he keeps as an emergency fund in a normal savings account, and then some he was putting into a cash ISA too. But actually, he stopped doing that fairly recently. The interest rate on my cash ISA went down. Uh, I was making almost no interest on the small amount of money that was there. So actually this, you know, the, the amount of money I can save is probably best placed either in somewhere that's easier to access, so my normal savings account, or something that might be a bit more productive. It might bring you back a better return. Yeah. But for the long term, yeah. The biggest thing on Francesco's financial horizon is that his fixed rate mortgage deal is coming to an end in 10 months' time. That means he'll go from paying 2% interest to what's currently predicted to be a 6% interest rate. That will cost him a few hundred pounds extra a month, and that's on top of the price of everything creeping up as inflation rises. The feeling, I think, between both myself and my wife is that we should probably be trying to build up a slightly bigger buffer than than what we have. Um, I think, in all honesty, that hasn't materialised yet. but. the desire is there. The desire is definitely there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then at the same time, the biggest problem for cash savings is is inflation. 10% inflation, the absolute best rate you're going to get if you lock up for a few years at the moment is around five, which yeah. is half. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of expensive to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would Francesco like to ask our experts? So my main worry was that given the current increases in the cost of living, inflation going up and mortgage rates going up without a corresponding increase in uh, saving interest rates, where does this leave us really um, as savers? And also what can we do within reason to mitigate at least some of the, the increasing costs? Well, we just heard there how Francesco is concerned that while mortgage interest rates are going up, interest rates on savings accounts aren't increasing at the same rate. Now, is this true? And why is that the case? Now, 
I'll put this to both of you. Are interest rates actually going to go up for savers? And does that mean that we're going to go into a new era for cash savings, starting with you, Iona? Well, the really frustrating thing here is that um, banks and building societies are much quicker to raise mortgage rates than they are to raise savings rates. Funny that, isn't Mm -hmm. it? I wonder why. Um, So we probably shouldn't expect savings rates to go up as quickly as mortgage rates. And of course, we just do not know how quickly the Bank of England is going to raise the base rate over the coming months. Um, There has definitely been a flurry of really competitive savings rates coming onto the market in recent weeks. Um, But it's really hard to tell whether or not we've we've hit the peak yet or if we could be in for, you know, a a few more months of of, of much better deals coming through. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly anyone who locked their money away in a two-year savings bond four or five months ago going to be ruining the day. Mm. Now, I went to see my colleague Tommy Stubbington, who's one of the FT's markets gurus, and we looked at the screens together. Now, markets at the moment are expecting the UK base rate to peak at around 5% in the middle of next year. Now, that sounds high, but after the mini budget, the markets were expecting interest rates to hit six and a quarter percent in the UK. So it's come down since Trustonomics has been killed off and Rishi Sunak has been given the keys to, to number 10. But those interest rates sound quite tasty. But there's one obvious problem, isn't there? None of them come close to matching the current rate of inflation, which is just above 10%. Sarah, what do you have to offer on this? Well, it doesn't sound great on paper, does it? But there is one thing to bear in mind, and that is when we talk about inflation, we're looking back. So we're looking at how prices have changed over the past 12 months. So we know that prices have gone up by 10%. When we're talking about fixing a savings rate for the future, we're actually looking at what it's going to be like over the next 12 months or the next 24 months. Um, And so we kind of, it's a totally different period. And when you're looking at the sort of, when you're looking at the forecast for what's going to happen to inflation over that kind of a period, it's very different. So we're seeing a lot of forecasts now come in and say, well, in, in 12 months time, we're likely to see inflation at around 5%. Mm. So actually, if you'd managed to get 5% on your savings, then you're actually you know, doing pretty well and getting pretty close to, to, to breaking even with inflation. So on paper, it looks pretty, you know, pretty unpleasant at the moment. But actually, if you, if you sort of take a step back and look forward, then it looks much more positive. Now, we'll talk about the different savings accounts and products and rates shortly. But first, there are lots of different ways to use cash savings accounts to meet different short and medium term needs. Now, let's start off by talking about your cash emergency fund. Now, Iona, in your book, Spare Change, and also in your book about investing, own it. The emergency fund is just such a key thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the problem at the moment is threefold. Firstly, if people haven't built up their emergency fund, their ability to do so is going to be really squeezed um, over the coming months by rising living costs. People are cutting back their saving as well in order to get through everyday life. People are having to dip into their savings as well. So when we talk about having an emergency or rainy day fund, lots of people will be thinking, well, if this isn't an emergency, then what is? So surely you can forgive me for maybe raiding that account right now. That's what it's for. Absolutely. You could argue that. And the third factor that we tend to overlook is that we have this rule of thumb that you ought to save three months worth of expenses into an easy access account. In an ideal world. In an ideal world, yes. But actually, I think that the cost of living crisis is really going to challenge that rule. Because say we were to embark on an experiment now and try to live off you know, three months worth of expenses in a savings account right now, see how far that got us. Well, I think we'd, we'd last about as long as Liz trusted in Downing Street. So I think 
Um, we have to maybe rethink that kind of rule and take a step back and ask, what is an emergency savings pot for? I think the main reason why we should keep saving money, you know, even though it's incredibly tough right now, is because it gives us choices further down the line. Um, so I would try to avoid dipping into savings right now because I think that will be to your advantage in the long run. But if you cannot commit to having three months worth of outgoings in a savings fund, don't beat yourself up. You know, this is a tough time. Now, lots of bank accounts, particularly digital banks like Monzo or Starling, have developed what's known as savings pots, where you can separate your money into different funds. Iona, tell us a bit more about how they could be used. So these savings pots and spaces are separate in your account, and this is where you can send money to. And they can be really helpful if you're trying to compartmentalize your finances, because I think a problem that lots of people have is that they tend to spend from their main account they haven't really got a sense of how much money is left over for essential bills um, and they're worried that they're going to run out. I very rudely have a savings space on my digital bank account called Time to F Off on Holiday, <laughs> um, which um, at the moment is uh, dangerously close to, to being raided. Sarah, what, what, <laughs> Sarah, tell us a little bit more about how you've heard people use sinking funds or, or savings spaces. What kind of strategy is this, is this useful for? I think one of the real benefits of separating your savings pots is is to sort of being able to think about what what your savings are for. So often we find this particularly amongst people who are retired, they might have a big bunch of cash that they may have taken as part of their tax-free cash that's sort of sitting in an account waiting. But they've never really thought about what it's for. And by sort of separating it out and thinking, well, you know, this is for, I don't know, doing the kitchen in five years, or this is for a new car in two, or whatever it is, you then can think about whether or not you can fix that. So you can put it into a fixed rate savings account, which is tied up for a specific period of time. And in return, you get better interest. So it, it actually can be helpful, not just sort of to help you account mentally for, for you know, where your money needs to go and what you want to spend it on, but it can also help you get more out of your money at the same time. Mm. Now, another one for the digital savings buffs is saving without realising it. Now, Iona, you're a big fan of roundups. An easy way of rounding up your digital spare change within an online savings account. Can you explain exactly how it works? So say you have spent £2.50 in a coffee shop, but then you check your bank account and you've been debited £3. Don't worry, you haven't overpaid for your coffee. What's happened there is that your bank has taken 50p extra from your account They've not paid it to the coffee shop. They've paid it into your savings instead. So that's why it's called Roundup. It's it's rounding up to the nearest pound um, and, and making sure that the spare change is going into your saving. Now, Sarah, what about saving cash for a medium to long-term goal? Something like a property deposit. That's popular with our listeners. Yeah, so if you're um, aged 18 to 39, there is an extra way that you can sort of supercharge your savings. So if you've got at least a year until you want to buy your first home, you can consider a lifetime ISA. Hmm. So this, it lets you pay in up to £4,000 a year and the government will top it up um, by up to £1,000. So that could be £1,000 worth of free money towards buying your first home. Now, that there's loads of, there are rules and limitations and it is important to know what you're getting into. But if you're in that position, then it's a really brilliant way to sort of get, get a free head start 
I've got another suggestion as well if you're looking for uh, techie ways to save more money as well as these digital first accounts that have savings pots and spaces you could look at a financial chatbot as well so this is an AI program that you can link up to your account this program will analyze what's going on with your finances and then they'll set up a dialogue with you and um, the likes of Clio, Chip, Plum they all offer this and it can feel like a firm friend is talking to you about your finances through, say, Facebook Messenger. Um, and that is an approach that lots of people quite like because um, they can get nudged into saving more in a month where maybe they're spending a bit less. Um, and also these chatbots are very good at kind of telling you when maybe you're going a bit overboard. Like a personal trainer for your savings. It, exactly, yeah. We all need one of those, I think. It's, it's possibly, it's also worth saying that there is an old-fashioned technique, which is um, the sort of idea of paying yourself first, mm -hmm. which is on payday, setting up that direct debit to go straight into a savings account. So you never see the money, you never tempted to spend it. And you've got that sort of clarity over exactly how much is going to go. So you're not sort of getting to the end of the month and you discover you've accidentally rounded up and, and you're, you're, you're going to have to get money back from your savings account in order to make ends meet. Well, we've given listeners loads of ideas about how they can get saving the money, but now we're going to turn to where to put it products, types of savings accounts that you could consider opening and the kind of goals that you could use these for. Now, Sarah, I'll start with you. At the moment, and it is a fast changing market, what are the best deals when it comes to easy access accounts and the sort where you can lock your cash up for one year or more? Well, definitely the, the general rule of thumb is that if you go online, you'll get a much, much better deal than if you go into branch. Um, and usually you get a, a better deal from the newer um, banks that are sort of competing to win your business. Um, so at the moment on an easy access account, you can get um, up to 3%. Now that one actually going against, you know, all, all of what I've just said is actually available online from HSBC. Mm. Um, but you, it, although it, that has got a sort of, you have to look at the small print with some of these really great accounts, because if you, any month that you take money out of that account, that, that rate will drop dramatically. So I'll go right down to half a percent. If you want something with a bit more access, then um, you can get 2.81 from Al Ryan. And that means that you can access the money anytime. Um, if you're sort of looking to fix it up um, for a year, um, then you can make much more. So if you're sort of looking at sort of, you know, just under 3% or 3% for your easy access, you can make about 4.5% by fixing for a year. And obviously, you know, these rates, they're just going to keep nudging up. So we will see those change, you know, by the, by the time you're listening to this, it may well be even higher. Now, another popular option are what are known as regular savers offered by current accounts. Iona, do you want to explain what a regular saver is? Yeah, so this is where you commit to putting a certain amount into a savings account. And normally the amount that you can contribute over the year is capped. But the upside is that you get an absolutely killer rate on that account. And I think this can be a really great option for people who are starting out saving, who maybe want to be a bit more proactive than, than leaving it to round up saving, or maybe feel like they want to be a bit more ambitious. And I think certainly it is good to be ambitious when it comes to saving, especially if you're starting from scratch. In terms of the interest rates, you can get 5% on regular savers from NatWest, Lloyds and Yorkshire Bank. You pay in every month and then after a year, you get your money back. But Iona, what's the best rate on easy access accounts? So one of the best accounts at the moment um, on the market is Barclays Rainy Day Saver. That pays 5.12%, which is pretty juicy. That's on any amount up to £5,000. And it is, as things stand, the top 
regular saver account on the market. But, you know, Sarah was saying this before, a lot of these accounts do tend to come with um, strings attached. So the most common one is that in order to get these regular savers accounts, you have to have a current account with the bank first. Now, that's not necessarily a problem. Some of these banks are also offering pretty good current account switching offers too. And if you're not that happy with the bank you're with at the moment, it might be worth switching the account to get one of these regular savers offers. But it's just a reminder to really look at that small print and understand what you're getting into before you buy mm. it. Yeah, I mean, Sarah, certainly you can get up to £200 for switching your current account from one to the other with certain deals on offer at the moment. Yes. And if, if you are looking to start building your savings, they are a really great option. I think when you're sort of getting into the realms of switching your current account for, for a quick bung from the bank, it's kind of worth looking at that in the round as well. So if, for example, there's a risk you're going to your overdraft, you need to look at the overdraft rate. Um, if you tend to have savings, then, you know, looking at the regular savings or even whether they pay interest on money that you have in that account. So there's quite a lot to look at as well as having the free money, but free money is always nice. Mm. And then finally, what about premium bonds, Sarah? The rates on those have gone up recently, but what are they good for? Yeah, so premium bonds is a strange one because the sort of the prize rate that's talked about is actually very, very different to the experience that you'll have if you have um, premium bonds. So really the, the, the point with premium bonds is you don't get any interest at all, um, but you can win prizes and you can win life-changing amounts of money. So your experience will depend on how lucky you are. And if you have an average amount of luck, you actually won't win anything. So you'll be losing money after an inflation. And this, of course, matters more to people when they can get more interest elsewhere. And when inflation is high, they become more concerned about sort of losing the value of these of the savings they're leaving in premium bonds. So they tend to be used for people for sort of specific things. So some people like to put sort of lump sums for a period of time that they'll need later. So um, it, it, some people will use it to pay their, their money due on their tax return, for example. Um, but you do need to be aware of, of, of the, the price that you're paying. And if you're going to put a large amount into premium bonds over the long term, you do need to be thinking about, you know, well, actually, if I did that a year ago, it would now have, you know, it would have lost a tenth of its spending power. Mm. So there is a price to be paid for it. But, you know, we know that people love it. We know that, you know, millions of people have premium bonds and, and love it when they get a prize. Mm. Okay, now moving on, another use of cash could be paying some extra off your mortgage every month before a fixed rate expires. What should people be thinking about here? Well, again, there's a rule of thumb that if you are going to earn a better interest rate on your savings, um, and that's going to be higher than the rate that you would pay on your mortgage, then don't worry too much about paying down your mortgage. Keep saving. Um, I would say keep saving anyway, but if you do have some extra cash that you can put towards paying down your mortgage, um, it's well worth considering, just sharing what I'm planning. I have some cash that I'm definitely going to put towards paying down my mortgage. Um, and as things stand, depending on what happens to rates, what I might well do is just wait for my fixed rate deal to end next year. Um, and then um, if the SVR rate, standard variable rate, is not too bad, I may well just lapse onto that and then use this cash to pay down more of my mortgage. Because the thing is, with a fixed rate deal, um, I've worked out that I can only overpay um, 10% 
um, and I would like to try and um, pay off more than that. And I can do that on an SVR deal. Now, that's not something that I would necessarily recommend for everyone. That's just because I've looked at my own finances, I've worked out the sums, and I reckon that this Mm. is something that I could do and that it might be a better use of my cash. Because the thing is, you know, if you can pay down your mortgage in the long run, it is going to free up your money to do other things. You can put it towards your savings, investments, and pensions. So that's something that I'm very keen to do. But it's really important for you to go away and work out the sums yourself and figure out whether that is a good idea for you. Well, thank you so much, Iona Bain and Sarah Coles. I think you've given listeners a wealth of information and tips to get cracking on when they start to look at their own saving strategies. Now, that's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you do, please leave us a review. And if you'd like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, as I said, get in touch. Our email address is money at ft.com or send me a DM on social media. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced by Persis Love and Philippa Goodrich. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragosa. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And remember, Money Clinic is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute investment recommendations or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.